to share some stuff with you that, that uh, the Lord brought to me while I was away. Um, sometimes, you know, I don't know how I end up seeing stuff. It just shows up in my, <laughs> in my email or I connect with something certain. It just, it's amazing. And most of the time, you know, it's like, okay, that's nice. <laughs> Ignore it, right? But this particular thing that, that I ran across was, was pretty cool. And so I figured, well, you know what, let me kind of tweak it a little bit and make it my own, and we'll just we'll talk about it tonight. Um, so what do you, how would you define the idea of being apostolic? When you hear that phrase or that word, you know, apostolic, right? What is that, what do you think that means? What do you, how do you define that? Okay, uh, church planning, sure, absolutely. Yeah, that's part. Anointing. An anointing, okay. Yeah, good. Anybody else? Moving in the spirit and preaching the gospel in a way that today, I want to say fits today. Fits but today. not relevant. Fit, right. Okay. So being relevant. As opposed to when... The apostles actually, the first twelve actually walked. Right. Okay. So being more culturally relevant. Right. Yeah. Without having to um, compromise. Without compromise. Okay. Yeah. That's when, good. When I hear apostolic, I think government. Okay. Yeah. This is a governmental thing that can be part of the apostolic as well. Sure. Anybody else? Going once. Going twice. <laughs> Cool. Yeah, I mean, these are all good. You know, for me, one of the things that has always been uh, in my mind when I think of being apostolic, because the original definition, the original meaning of the word had to do with being sent, right? An apostle is a sent one. And so for me, I've always associated the apostolic with having a mission, all right? Just like the Blues Brothers, Okay, that went over most people's heads, so moving right along. So, man. <laughs> exactly. On We're on a mission from God, exactly. So, but that's been my, you know, my kind of go-to when it comes to the apostolic. All the other stuff that's involved with it, of course, you know, that's fine. But I feel like, to, to for me anyway, I don't want to ever lose sight of that core understanding that the apostolic is a, a missional thing. Because the reason why I like that is that all of us can be apostolic if that's the definition, mm-hmm. right? We all can have a mission. We all can know, you know, what our mission is and function in that, fulfill that on some level. You don't need a title. You don't need a position. You don't need you know, anything special because we're all anointed. We're all, you know, able to do that. So that's kind of my, you know, how I understand that. And what's cool about that particular approach is it's really easy to see how Jesus defined it and how he demonstrated the apostolic from that standpoint, right? We, we know that he came here and had a mission. He had really several <laughs> missions that he was um, involving or, in, you know, involved with and, and working with. And so I want to share some things with you today along those lines. Um, 
starting with the uh, you know one of the my, one of my favorite uh, scriptures in John four, which is the story of the woman at the well, right? Really, really cool story. Um, John four and starting in verse uh, verse four it says that and and he Jesus had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a city of Samaria called Sychar, near the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph, and Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, being wearied from his journey, was sitting thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. There came a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Therefore the Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, Ask me for a drink, since I'm a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God, and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. She said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get this living water? You are not greater than our father Jacob, are you, who gave us the well and drank of it himself and his sons and his cattle? Jesus answered and said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall never thirst, but the water that I will give him will become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, Give me this water so I will not be thirsty, nor come all the way here to drink, or to draw, rather. He said to her, Go call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You have correctly said, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband. This you have said truly. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and you people say that in, the, in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, an hour is coming when neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But an hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for such people the Father seeks to be His worshipers. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to Him, I know that Messiah is coming, He who is called Christ. When that one comes, He will declare all things to us. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am He. At this point, His disciples came, and they were amazed that He had been speaking with a woman, yet no one said, what do you seek, or why do you speak with her? So the woman left her water pot and went into the city and said to the men, Come see a man who told me all the things that I've done. This is not the Christ, is he? They went out of the city, and they were coming to him. Woo! I love that story. <laughs> so, so, you know, here's the thing, right? When, when Jesus was traveling at this point in time. He was on his way to Galilee. And history records that whenever Jews would try to get from where Jesus was to Galilee, they would go around Samaria. They wouldn't go through it. 
for obvious reasons. There was huge prejudice between those two races. And it's sad, but that's that was the situation. They they basically hated each other, right? I'm not going to go into all the details of why. You can look that up yourself. But here's what's interesting. It says in verse 4 about Jesus that he had to pass through Samaria. He had to pass through Samaria? Well, no, he didn't have to because everybody else didn't do that. They would go around Samaria to get to Galilee. But yet here, it says Jesus had to pass through Samaria. Why? Because Papa told him to, exactly. See, Jesus was, was constantly in a frame of mind where, okay, what's my mission today? What's my focus today? And clearly, in this situation, Father said, yeah, I want you to go through Samaria. Even though nobody else does, I want you to, okay? And he does. And I would suspect that just like you and I, Jesus didn't know why. He didn't have the whole day, you know, laid out before him by the Holy Spirit. All he knew was, okay, guys, we have to go through Samaria. And that, isn't that how it is for us, right? We'll get an impression, we'll get a thought, we'll, something will happen and the Lord will make something clear to us that I want you to focus there, I want you to go there, I want you to you know, look at that or do that or whatever. And it's like, okay, why? <laughs> you know, don't ask why, just do it. <laughs> Right? That's who we're that's who we're faced with. And that's what Jesus did. So extremely missional in his approach to life. And that's what we get to do as well. And what I love about this story is of course the fact that he's dealing with someone who his countrymen thoroughly despise, right? The prejudice against the Samaritans was real, it was deep, it was vitriolic, it was horrible. Okay, I think we here in America can appreciate the issues of racism because we have lived it and there's been a lot that, need, that needs to be repented of even today, right? So we can, we can understand this on some level. So here's Jesus speaking to this Samaritan, number one, and number two, what? She's a woman, which in that day was not normal. Men just did not strike up conversations with women who are in a public place like that because, God forbid, somebody saw that and started to interpret or, you know, oh, what's going on here? (laughs) You know, that kind of junk. And so you've got this double whammy of Jesus speaking to a, a hated race and a woman to boot. Now think about that. This woman, because of her situation, married four times, and now living with a man. I'm sure you've heard this before. Others have you know, expanded on this quite a lot. She was coming to draw water in the middle of the day. Why? Because nobody else would. You know, who's going to come out in the heat of the day to draw water from a well? Nobody does that. And you know, it was typically done first thing in the morning while it's cool, and plus you needed the water for the day. 
But clearly, she was such an outcast in her own community that she didn't want to be around people. So she would deliberately come midday to draw water, and she happens to meet Jesus. Now think about this woman's background and the shock to her that this Jewish man addresses her and asks her to give him a drink. I mean, this was like, you know, unheard of. Okay? This is a setup. So, well, it's a divine setup, obviously, right? So she's freaking out a little bit. Like, okay, what? You know, <laughs> right? But what, what, what we need to see here is that Jesus, in his mission of going to Samaria, his intention was to connect with whoever God wanted him to connect with. He didn't know who it was going to be. But as soon as he saw the woman, right? You know what that's like. All of a sudden you see somebody and it's like, ah, okay. <laughs> that's the person. That's the one I'm here for, right? It's just something in your, in your gut or in your heart just resonates. Holy Spirit says, ding, 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 ding. Right? That's the one, right? So Jesus knew. And he, I'm, sur- I'm certain, knowing Jesus, already began to ask Papa, so what's up with this woman? Right? And the Holy Spirit says, well, you know, she's been married four times and she's living with a guy. Wow. <laughs> right? I never thought that Jesus must have asked. Yeah. Must have said, what's, what's up with her? What's up with this woman? Exactly. And so he gets the download, he gets the, the word of knowledge about this woman. And what does he do? He immediately realizes... I need to honor this woman in some way. I need to show her that in the eyes of the Father, she's not what other people have said about her. She's not even what she thinks about herself. And so he chooses to honor her in this conversation. And have you ever stopped to realize he gets into the deepest theology with this Samaritan woman. This passage here where he talks about worship and, and what God is looking for in terms of worshipers and how we've got to worship in spirit and truth. That was wasted on this woman because she had there was no way she could grasp any of that. But yet, he was willing to be that real, to be that present with her that that he he could share something of that nature even knowing that she probably is just going to go right over her head thank god jod was able to kind of like you know get that at some later point so what did she actually say to her to her you know he writes it all down for us right so he's he's honoring this woman why because he wants to see her restored he wants to see her redeemed and the only way to do that is to enter into a relationship with her where all of a sudden she experiences something of God that reverses the lies that have kept her in a place of bondage, in a place of, of being diminished as a person. And so when we, we start to think about right how we're called on a mission and we're called into this place where Okay, God, what are you up to here? 
What are you up to with this person? How are you working even now to bring redemption and restoration into this place, into this person's life? That's what Jesus was really doing, right? So, you know, if, you, if, you're, if you're into alliteration, right? So far we've talked about reaching, right? Go, you reach. We've talked about redeeming and restoring. And then the final one, of course, is in, in the mission of Christ is reproduction. That's what he was all about. If you define, if you distill down the mission of Christ, right? you can do that using those four words. You reach, you redeem and restore, and you reproduce. Now, did this woman reproduce after she had been touched by the presence of God? How did she do that? Exactly. Come check this out, man. This guy told me, you know, it's so funny how she says it. He told me everything I ever did. Well, not quite, but yeah. <laughs> you know, he gave you the Reader's Digest version of your life, you know, four husbands and a guy you're living with, you know. But that was enough for her to realize that she had had an encounter with God. And it changed her in some way. It changed her enough that she was willing, this woman who was outcast and denigrated and demeaned and probably called all kinds of names, was now all of a sudden filled (laughs) with some kind of zeal to go into the city and say, hey, you got to come see this guy. Think about it. What a transformation. Sorry? Encounter with the living water. Yeah. But what a transformation in this woman's life, all from a simple conversation with Jesus. I don't know about you, man. That just stirs me up. I, I, I want to do that. I, you know, I love when I get a chance to talk with people. Um, and, and, you know, I, I think I shared with this story of the guy that I met on the plane going down to Fort Lauderdale and how I just started to, to you know, speak to him about his death and his purpose and whatnot, and you could just see him light up because all of a sudden he realized, oh my God, I, ne- I need to do something. You know, because this guy had a, had, a, had, a, had a life story that would have blown your mind that he'd been through, and now this guy, 80 years old, you should have seen this guy, 80 years old, and he looked like he was probably maybe in his 50s. He was that good a shape. And he was a personal trainer, Right? So anyway, that, that, you know, I love when God gives me an opening to do stuff like that. You know, we, we, we go out into, into different restaurants and whatnot, and you get a chance to minister to the waitress or the waiter that comes to you. Don't you just love doing that? Mm-hmm. It's like so cool when the Lord begins to show you things about them. And, and you know, um, uh, we, we were talking with uh, the one, was, when was the last one? That we, oh, the last one was so cool. I'm watching the waitress, and it's like... She's in pain. Now, she didn't really show it overtly, but just I just knew she was in pain. So when she came back with the check, I said, are you in pain? Oh, yeah, I've got fibromyalgia, blah, 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 blah. So I was having um, a lunch meeting with Millie, and she said, well, could we pray for you? She said, sure. <laughs> right there, we just laid hands on her, we prayed for her, and in like 60 seconds, no joke, pain was gone. So we, you know, this is what I'm talking about. We 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 get to be intentional about bless you. Boy, he's been so quiet. I almost didn't know he was here. <laughs> That's awesome. Keep it up, Alex. We like that. <laughs> anyway, so so the um, 
the article that I had seen while I was away talks about this whole approach to really following the mission of Christ in our own lives. And I love how he did it because he broke it down into an easy to remember, you know, memory thing around the word bless, B-L-E-S-S. All right. So I'm just going to throw it out there for you to to think about and, you know, see, because I think that we're going to, we're really going to see some amazing testimonies come forth if we start to push into this and start to really, you know, live out of this particular realm. So the first letter is what? B, right? And bless. So the that stands for begin with prayer. Very basic, you know. So Lord, I give you this day, what, you know, what's going on? Show me, give me a divine appointment, right? Lead me to somebody that, you know, needs to to know who you are, that, you know, that you're good. Um, you know, I think about how Jesus demonstrated this. And remember how he he stayed up all night to ask the Father, well, who's supposed to be my 12 disciples, right? And then other times that he would go with the Father, um, I love that one phrase where he's about to, to raise Lazarus from the dead and he's standing outside the tomb. And he says, Father, I know you always hear me, but it's for their sake that I'm saying this. <laughs> you know, I know you always hear me. <laughs> right? But he was always in that mode of just, you know, constant dialogue and asking the Lord, what's, you know, the Father, what's going on, right? Um, we've also learned today about treasure hunts, you know, and I'll be honest with you, I, you know, as I was thinking about this, I never really thought about doing a treasure hunt on my own, but why not, why not, you know, like tomorrow morning I'll say, okay, Lord, give me a picture or, or some clue about the person you want me to talk to and see what comes to mind, see what he reveals, and that way you can be on the lookout you know, oh, this guy's going to have a, a red cap on. Oh, cool. All right, I'm going to keep my eye out for, you know, somebody with a red cap, right? MAGA so, huh? MAGA hat. Yeah, MAGA hat, exactly. <laughs> yes, you took the words right. <laughs> right? So, so that's a cool thing. So that's B, begin with prayer. Lord, just, you know, show me. Um, L, it stands for listen, okay? And what's cool about this is... You know, in our approach to people, um, I don't know about you, but but I was raised under the idea that, you know, you should basically share the gospel no matter what, you know, just tell people what you believe. And and that was kind of the approach that, that we were taught in terms of, you know, evangelizing. It's always preach the gospel, right? Well... I don't know if you ever heard of St. Francis of Assisi. Have you heard of Francis of Assisi? He he had a great quote. He said um, that that we should preach the gospel at all times, and when necessary, use words. <laughs> okay, which means it, it ought not to be your go-to. Your first thing shouldn't be simply to kind of like projectile vomit your your you know spiritual stuff on people you want to listen you want to get into a place of relationship with people and just find out what's going on in their life you know there there are several different levels of listening and most of us unfortunately only stay on the surface level 
surface level is when you have a conversation with somebody and instead of really hearing what they're saying, you're thinking about the next thing you want to say. Okay, which is what we typically do, right? We're trying to think, well, what's my next thing that I want to say to this person instead of really hearing what the person's saying, right? The second level below that is listening for a deeper meaning about what they're trying to say so that you can kind of repeat that back to them. Have you ever tried that? Have you ever tried to reflect back to someone what they're saying so that, let me let me get this straight. You're, I hear you saying... And then you summarize what they just said. And if you didn't get it right, believe me. Oh, no, I didn't mean that. <laughs> you know, they'll come right back at you. That's the second level. The third level of listening is actually, hmm, what does this mean with respect to their destiny? What are they saying that may give some indication about what God's plans are for their life? That's a deep level of listening, right? If you're interested in more of this, I'm going to be teaching again my Real Talk seminar in the fall where we really get into this and give you a chance to practice it as well. But listening is such an important uh, component of this because why? Here's an example. Jesus walking along and this guy named Bartimaeus, who's blind, finds out that it's Jesus. And what does he do? He starts Crying out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus, son of David, right? The crowds tell him to shut up. You know, finally, you know, I guess Jesus hears him and and says, oh, uh, bring him to me, right? What is so freaky about this is that it's got to be obvious. Hey, how are you? Good to see you. Grab a couple of chairs. I think you probably might might have to set up some chairs there. Um, How you doing? Good to see you. Good to see you. Actually, there's a seat right there if you want to sit over there. Yeah. There you go. Everybody's everybody's cozy now. <laughs> but what's so freaky about this incident is that it probably was pretty obvious what was wrong with the guy, that he was blind, right? Yet what does Jesus ask him? What would you like me to do for you? <laughs> but see, that that's what we're talking about. We don't make assumptions about what the person wants or needs. We want to hear from them. Let me hear from you what's going on in your life, right? Such an important uh, principle. So um, we're also, what are we also listening for? Holy Spirit, right? <laughs> What's what's going on here? Give me a word of knowledge. Give me give me some kind of you know revelation about what you want me to uh, to say. We also want to listen for the needs that maybe the person has in their life, challenges that they're going through. Right? Again, what are we doing? We're just entering into this dialogue so that we can build some level of relationship with the person. Now, obviously, there are different levels of relationship. If this is somebody that you're never going to see again. Right? It's going to look one way as opposed to a coworker that you're building a relationship with because you just started a new job or they just started a new job with you, you know, or a neighbor that you're getting to know. So there's all these different things that we can do. And not only listening for what's going on in the person's life, this was a new one for me. I hadn't thought about this. The Lord wants us to listen for 
what he wants to tell us about the place that we're in, where we are, you know, the geographic spot, the place, the, the region, whatever. There's things that he wants to show us about that. He wants to tell us about that. And that was a new thought for me. And I'm, I'm interested to see what that's going to look like down the road where we start to ask, Lord, okay, Lord, what do you, what, what do you want to tell us about this place, this area, this region, this state, this, you know what I mean? So I, I like that. So listen is the second one. We're going through this, with you, those of you that are new, I'm going through the word bless, and we're talking about each letter as stands for something. The first word, the first one is B, and that stands with begin with prayer. L is listen. Um, e, what do you think E stands for? Just throw out something. Huh? Ooh, that's a deep theological word. Exaltation. <laughs> Sounds good, but no. Encounter. <laughs> Encounter. That's good too, but no. Expectation. Expectation. Excellence. Yeah. Ecclesia. <laughs> okay. Now we're getting into the Greek, though. I love it. Um, it's it's actually a lot more mundane than all of that deep spirituality. Eat. Even more so. What'd you say? Eat. Yes. E-A-T, eat. Yeah, yeah. E-A-T, eat. I mean, think about it, right? When when Jesus called Matthew, who was what was Matthew before he was a disciple? Tax collector, right? You look at Matthew 7, which lists or gives the description of how you know Jesus called Matthew. What was the first thing that Jesus did with Matthew? Matthew threw a party. He threw a party and he invited all of his friends. <laughs> it was like, hey, look who my best friend is. <laughs> right? And and you see this happening all over again. What was the what did Jesus say to Zacchaeus? He said, Come down from that tree, little man. I'm having lunch with you today. <laughs> right? And it was that incident of having lunch with Zacchaeus that what happened? He wanted to give away half There was total redemption and restoration just because Jesus took the time to have lunch with another person who was hated and demeaned and outcast in his community. See how this works? I love this. So and I you know, I do this on a on a much more low key scale. You know, I I, I try to schedule different lunch appointments with people that are able to do that so that, you know, we have some time to kind of chill and eat and, you know, just in that kind of a, of a mode. But that approach, that approach was actually the main means of evangelism in the early church. Did you know that? Mm-hmm. When you read the book of Acts and you read what they actually did, it says that they met from house to house and also in the temple and the Lord daily was adding to their numbers. And so what does that tell you? Basically, hey, come on, we're going to have lunch over at so-and-so's house. And you invite people to just simply come and hang out without, by the way, preaching the gospel after they've eaten. (laughs) 
you go to these, you know, these these missions, you know, where where they bring in the homeless and everything else. Some of them are horrible. They actually make them sit through the message before they eat. You ever been to one of them? Oh my gosh, that's like cruelty. You know, most of them, you know, they'll let them eat first, and then but then they got to sit through the gospel message. Again, preach the gospel at all times, and when necessary, use words. I heard something a few years ago. I think it was Bill Johnson that first brought this out. And even he said he got it from somebody else that said it. I can't remember the, the original, uh, you know, the who, who said it. But just listen to this. We belong before we believe. We belong before we believe. How many of you, when you first got saved, you had all your theology straight, everything was good, you were... None of us! But yet, in belonging, in coming into an environment with people, you start learning. And you start to to believe more. Does God require that we have our theology all in a row before He accepts us? Absolutely not. So what I've noticed is, you know, I, I did this a lot with musicians. I would invite musicians to come and play on worship teams when they weren't saved. <gasps> you had unsaved musicians? Yes. And you know what? Every single one of them got saved. Because they were welcomed into an environment where they could experience the presence of God. And, and so that phrase, man, that rocked me when I first heard that. I said, yeah. People belong before they believe. And so I want to create environments where people can feel like they belong. And in that process, guess what? They're going to learn to believe. Isn't that awesome? Such a good thing. And so all that comes out of this idea of of eating. um, Hang on, let me get back to it. Yeah, of just eating together and, and spending time in an informal setting. You know, no expectations. We're just hanging out, getting to know each other, having fun, you know, having a meal together, whatever. I just think it's awesome. So that's E. Uh, Next letter is S, which, yeah, you might expect this. Serve, right? So what do we have so far? Begin with prayer, listen, eat. The fourth one is serve, okay? Um, We know that when Jesus served... He didn't serve in a way that was typical or cookie cutter, right? Jesus w- was was always wanting um, to tailor his service to whoever he was with. And there's a great example of this. I got to get back to it. Let's see, Mark seven, and uh, where is it now? Seven thirty-one through thirty-seven. Let me go ahead and. Get that here, unless somebody gets it before I do. (laughs) Mark 7 and 31. So, oh, I love this story, right? It says, starting in verse 31 of Mark 7, Again, Jesus went out from the region of Tyre and came through Sidon to the Sea of Galilee within the region of Decapolis. They brought to him one who was deaf and spoke with difficulty, and they implored him to lay his hand on him. Jesus took him aside, 
from the crowd by himself and put his fingers into his ears. And after spitting, he touched his tongue with the saliva. And looking up to heaven with a deep sigh, he said to him, Ephaphtha, that is, be opened. And his ears were opened, and the impediment of his tongue was removed, and he began speaking plainly. Now think about this. Here these people come bringing this guy, right? And what do they do? They tell Jesus how to minister to him. Oh, come lay your hand on him. Lay your hand. Why? Because they probably had seen Jesus, right, laying hands on people, uh, you know, all along, right? And so here they are telling Jesus how to minister to this guy. And what does Jesus do? Okay, thanks for that. He takes the guy and gets alone with him. Now, we don't know why. Why, you know, maybe, again, one of those situations where... He didn't need the unbelief of the crowd getting in the way. You ever been in that situation where you're with people and they just, they don't get this? And you know that if you try to do anything around them, it's just going to be harder. <laughs> okay? So maybe that's it. He took, he took the guy by himself. Because admittedly, this is one of the weirder healing techniques that Jesus <laughs> used, right? Stick your fingers in the guy's ear, and then, of all things... You know, saliva, like a vetch. Today you'd be thrown in, you know, in jail for some kind of abuse. You know, it's just not done, right? You just don't do that today. But this is what Jesus had to do. So what does it tell us? It tells us that Jesus was willing to tailor his service to whoever it was that he was going to serve. He wasn't simply going to rely on the same old methods, the same old ways of doing things. He was really going to allow Holy Spirit to show him what's the best way to serve this person that God you've put in front of him, you know. And I'll be honest with you, right, Scott, isn't this hard? Because we always go back to the thing that we knew from before, right? Yeah. I, I was just, if I could, I yeah. just remember today a, a, a testimony fairly recently by surprise Satoli, and he was ministering to people, and the Lord told him uh, the guy came up for prayer and the Lord, I think he had a tumor or something, and the Lord told him to punch him in the stomach. Oh no! Yeah. Smith Wigglesworth! Yeah, exactly! Yeah. And I, I'm, I'm sure you know, he, he knew Smith Wigglesworth right? but the Lord actually told him to do that so he was like arguing he said he shared that he was arguing with the Lord. No, Lord, what's going to happen if I punch him and you know, people are I'm going to get sued or whatever. So it's like, yeah, I mean, oh. that was the Lord telling him to do that. Yeah. And, I mean, the guy ended up spitting out blood, I think. And Wow. But the, with the tumor, he was healed. God healed him. Okay. So, mm. but that that's an, another, uh, an example of, you know, doing like spitting on the guy's tongue. It's yeah. like, what? Lord, is that really you? <laughs> <laughs> That is, that's... You really want me to punch that? <laughs> exactly. Oh, my gosh. Well, I think it, I'm sorry. Go ahead. But when you said, we don't know why he took this guy to the side to do it this way, for all we know, it was the unbelief. Yeah. And what I got from that was, he took the guy to the side knowing that someone was going to be watching anyway. Okay. And this was, obviously, this person had to watch for this to be repeated so that you can give us the message that you're giving us now. Uh, yeah. Well, that's true. 
Yeah, I mean, Mark evidently got the story somehow to write it down. So, yeah, somebody, somebody was there to, to witness this exactly. Yeah, that's also a good point that <laughs> that could have gone on too. That you know, that people don't believe were there, and so yeah, and that that's not uncommon. To exactly, outside, exactly. And maybe you don't want to embarrass the guy. Who knows? But yeah. Yeah, true. I mean, you know, here's a guy that can't speak well. He's he's deaf, and and you know, he may have been again mocked and and you know vilified in his life. And so here, Jesus wants to you know honor him by getting along with the guy, right? Again, I, I mean, you just love how Jesus deals with people, right? So amazing. I, I uh, the article that I read re- recounted uh, a story that Stephen Covey included in his uh, book. Uh, seven Habits of Highly Successful People. He's, Stephen writes that he was in the subway one day, uh, and he was, you know, trying to read as he was in the subway. But there were a couple of kids there with their father, and the father just was absolutely not paying attention to the kids at all. Kids were running around screaming, just you know, really being a nuisance, and the father just was like not even paying attention at all. So Stephen goes over to the father and says, you know, you really need to control your kids because this is not not right that they're running around like this. And the father looks at him and says, yeah, you're you're right. I I just don't know what to say to them. Um, We just left the hospital and and their mom just died. Did you hear that story? Yeah. You know, and so again... You think about the, the the shock that you just felt, right? Realizing, oh my gosh, you know, here I'm assuming that these kids are just not being, you know, and instead the father is the one that's devastated. Why? Because I made an assumption. I, I jumped to a conclusion. I made a judgment. And so this is what we've got to guard against in our working with people. You know, let's... Let's be careful not to, to do that, not to make assumptions about somebody, but rather let's find out, you know, what needs what needs they really have, what's going on in their life, so that maybe the Lord has something for us to do to help them in that situation. And of course, we know that that we're not simply serving from a, a humanistic standpoint. As wonderful as it is to give somebody a cup of cold water, and we should always be ready to do that, we come with the supernatural power of God. Just as we saw in that story with the blind guy, Jesus is is always there to release the power of God as led by Holy Spirit, right? We get to to bless people in that way. Isn't that amazing? Oh my gosh, it's like, ah, so cool, (laughs) right? So let's finish this up. The last S, of course, um, is, uh, is share the story. Right? Share the story. What is the story? Well, the story, of course, is the gospel. But, you know, again, having been raised in a culture where I was taught the Romans Road. You familiar with the Romans Road? It's the scriptures in the book of Romans that you go through. You all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death and all this thing. You believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, you, you lead people through that. I got saved with little tract booklet called the four spiritual laws you know where i had to read through that and and you know at the end the guy said well do you believe that then let's pray the prayer (laughs) you know we all have learned these techniques for sharing the gospel and are they effective well they can be and if the lord leads you to do that well by all means 
Do you know what the story really is? The story is what Jesus has done in your life, who he is for you. And so sharing the story is really sharing your backstory, right? Your history before Christ and your history since coming to know Christ, your now story. You have a backstory, you have a now story, but you know what you also have? A future story. You know, God spoke to me and told me that I'm going to be going here, I'm going to be going there, I'm going to be doing this stuff, right? Or God spoke to me that a few years ago, and guess what? I'm doing it now. See? We get to share the reality of God's presence and His working in our lives so, so that people can, can really recognize that, yeah, this is, this is no joke. This is for real, right? And... By by engaging with people on this level, right of of knowing that that God has shown us, yeah, this this is somebody I want you to minister to. Okay, I mean, think about that. When God shows you, oh my gosh, you have all the grace, all the resources, everything that you need is at your disposal. Why? Because God just gave you an assignment. <laughs> Right? So you ask him, he shows you that. You 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 take the time to listen, right, and engage in a relational thing, a building relationship with them, right? If you're able to, hey, let's go get a cup of coffee. Let's let's you know, come on over, let's have do something, right? You you build on the relationship that way through uh, trying to, you know, eat together with them. And then it's the serving thing. It's like, well, Lord, you know, how do you want me to serve them? And usually that becomes so clear just out of the relationship, right? You just all of a sudden, you know how you can serve them. And then it just becomes, okay, well, show me how to do that. What does it look like? I'm going to do that. And then in the process, you get to share, you know, your your story of how God affected your life and how your life changed. Does that sound good? So what I was going to suggest that we do, um, if you're interested... You know, let's let's put this into practice, and I would love to hear testimonies from you guys as we meet, you know, week to week, of how God, you know, worked through you to bless other people. B l e s s. I mean, it's just to me, it's such a simple uh, way to keep this top of mind, you know, in terms of what uh, what I can do on a daily basis, what we can do on a daily basis. And let's just, yeah, let's just come back with with some awesome testimonies.